All right, welcome to You Don't Know Mojack, episode SST009. My name's Ryan. My name's Brent. And today we're here to talk about the first Meat Puppets record. Hey, Ryan. Yeah. What? Before we do that, just so people know, these are recorded like way in advance. We've been like recording these and the plan is to slowly release them. So by the time they get out, some of the stuff we talk about that's happening currently uh, might be a little bit dated. Uh, but Grant Hart died a couple days ago. And we should talk about that. Yeah, you know, that's right. I have, I actually did have a note to mention that. You know, there was a lot on the internet in the, the last few days on it, and it was just like a lot of tributes coming out, and it's another big loss. Yeah. Do you have a favorite Grant Hart track? You know, I, I will, so this is going to sound, this is going to sound kind of harsh. Like, I love Husker Du, you know that. I'm more of a Bob Mould Husker Du guy than a Grant Hart guy. That's fair. But I mean, there are a lot of Grant Hart tracks Pink Turns to Blue probably be my favorite. Well, the first Husker Du album I got was Flip Your Wig, and I got it when I was in high school, so it kind of has some meaning for me. And uh, there's a there's some really good Grant Hart tracks on there. Green Eyes is a song that's on there that's really good. Yeah, no, Green Eyes is great. I mean, don't get me wrong. Grant Hart had a lot of really good Husker Du songs, but... I follow, so this this is how, another way that I would put it, and I have favorite Grant Hart songs, and he's a great songwriter. I liked his drumming better than yeah. the Grant Hart songs. That's that's kind of like, I'm a Grant Hart fan because of his drumming. I'll put it that way. And, and another way to put it is, I mean, after, well, Husker Du broke up, uh, I mean, before I ever got into them. But when I started getting into Husker Du, I followed bob mole's career and i didn't really follow yeah grant hart's career i got a few uh no nova mob recordings and one or two solo albums but i ended up following bob mold more well bob mold was just way more prolific than grant hart was after the after husker broke up but i would agree like his drumming like if you watch any really good Husker Du footage on YouTube and to watch him like play at the speeds they played at in the early days and sing at the same time is a sight to behold that's for sure yeah he had he was a really fast and really subtle drummer which I really really liked which kind of fit their like not not their hardcore vibe but kind of their psychedelic vibe when they were playing really fast that's I always thought that he was really good but you know what else is really cool about Grant Hart. I don't know if you ever caught any of this, but he turned into a visual artist as well, too. And some of his his visual art mm-hmm. is pretty neat. I've seen some of it, yeah. Did you watch the uh, the documentary on him? No, I didn't know there was one. Yeah, I've got I've got the DVD. It's pretty it's pretty good. I mean, it talks a lot about his life after Husker Du broke up, and not all of it is good, but it does kind mm-hmm. of follow. You know what? Me- is it made by the same guy who did that uh, replacements one that doesn't have any music in it? It is. Yeah, it's one of it's one of those MVD releases. Okay. Yeah, I have seen. I I haven't seen it, but I I can picture the cover of it. It's a good documentary in the sense that I mean, because I never really followed Grant Hart after Husky Du broke up. It was good to get into just to understand kind of what he ended up doing. And like I said, not all of it was good, but in the in the documentary it sounded like he was kind of turning his life around near the end there. Yeah. 
But I mean, I will, I will say too, like many other bands or artists on SST, I kind of made my decision on Grant Hart a long, long time ago in terms of whether I was going to follow his stuff. And it's been a long time since I revisited that. And so when we get into his his solo stuff i mean it might be a situation like what have i been missing all this time right yeah he's had some recent solo stuff too that i haven't i haven't really kept up with neither have i his recent stuff has been i think some of it has been associated with amphetamine reptile as well yeah i think you're right i but for some reason like when i heard uh nova mob it just sounded like alterna country to me and it didn't really grab my attention. Yeah, but he's got solo solo albums on SST that we're going to get to way, way down the line. I know, that's what I mean. Like, his solo stuff, I have, I heard those as well. And I can't even remember what they were like. But I remember when I heard them, kind of going, yeah, I'm not really into this. And, yeah. you know, I might be into it now, you never know. All right, let's meet the Meat Puppets. History Lesson, Part 1. All right, well, why don't you tell us about the band, Brent? All right, well, they're uh, from Phoenix. They're comprised of two brothers, Kurt and Chris Kirkwood. Kurt's on guitar and does, I would say, most of the vocals. Chris is on bass. He also does some singing. And uh, for the entire time they were on SST, their drummer was Derek Bostrom. And, uh, And then they got like four or five different drummers near the end right yep and they're still active today the two brothers are for a while uh, chris was out of the band he uh he also uh fell on some hard times spent some time in in prison but uh they they've kind of in the last i don't know maybe 10 years they've been way more active and they've released three incredible albums like three of their best albums in my opinion have come out in the last I don't know, five to ten years? More than five years. Since Chris is back in the band. Yeah. Yeah, all three of them are really good. Rise to Your Knees, Sewn Together, and Rat Farm. So, I, I thought for some reason, though, the recent, like, 2016, 2017 reunion shows, Derek Bostrom was back playing those. No, I don't think so. I think they got inducted into a, uh, like, a Arizona uh, Music Hall of Fame. And I think they played at that with Derek. Ah, okay. But I don't think they've been playing him. They've had the same drummer for quite a while. He's the son of uh, Doug Som from uh, the Sir Douglas Quintet. Yes. Yeah, I can't remember his first name, but same last name as his dad. And I think maybe he played with Kurt. In uh, Kurt had a couple of really good bands uh, when the Meat Puppets were broke up, split up in the late '90s, early. 2000s. He had a band called Volcano and another one called Eyes Adrift. Is Eyes Adrift the one with Chris Novoselic? Yes, I think it is, yeah. That one's good too? Yeah, they're both really good. He has a really good solo album too called Snow. Anyways, uh, let's talk about the first album. History Lesson, Part 2. This one was uh, released in 1981. And uh, they, the Meat Puppets were real, really a staple of SST records. They were up there with I would say with Black Flag and Husker Du for kind of the, and the Minutemen for, you know, being the big breadwinners on the label, I would say. I would also argue they were one of the bands that brought, you know, brought a lot of other bands in to SST. By that I mean 
you know, you always hear about Geffen signing Sonic Youth to kind of like attract other artists to their label. And I would say SST or uh, Meat Puppets really gave SST a lot of a big boost in uh, artistic credibility. They were a really popular band amongst other musicians. Even by the time of this first record, though? Oh, well, as far as the first record goes, I mean, for me personally, I think, again, it's a matter of, you know, when you got into the band. So, like, for me, I'm 41, so I got into the band around the same time as most people our age, which is through uh, MTV Unplugged, the Nirvana thing. And uh, so, you know, I'm I'm going backwards, right? Me too. That's why. I mean, the first the first record relative to the later stuff, and you know, you know this. Like, you are a bigger Meat Puppets fan than I am. That doesn't mean I'm not a fan, but I haven't followed them with as much devotion as you have. And when I go back and listen to this first record, I mean, I really like the guitar on it. I really like a lot of the songs. The vocals are hard to to get past sometimes. Um, but it, yeah. it doesn't, this record does not grab me like the later ones. That's for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I just don't think they, they knew their sound yet. I don't, I don't think they knew what they wanted to do. Totally. Yeah. But, um, so for me, like I'm going back, you know, even though I was got into them in the early nineties, I was still going backwards to check out all the SST stuff. So I'm in the same boat for me, this one, the, the first album doesn't compare to some of the later stuff doesn't compare to the next album no but but if you read like there's a really good book on the meat puppets called too high to die which i believe you just finished reading you were saying i did i plowed through it before this podcast it is a good book to read it's an easy read and a lot of books that have this kind of like anecdotal style by different people they're not a very smooth read but this one is put together really really well and you know who whose quotes i love the best was kim thale yeah well he gets a whole chapter on this album yeah on the first album but the guy who who compiled it or wrote it greg prado he did a really good one about the grunge scene as well and i think a few others uh yeah it's really well done but i mean if you read the it's it's what they called uh what do they call this kind of book like an oral oral history or something oral history yeah um well it's really well done in my opinion as well and uh but if you if you read like the chapter on this album there's a lot of quotes from people like ian mckay as you mentioned kim thale and uh king buzzo king buzzo mark arm people like that and they were into this album when it came out yeah and you know so for them it holds up for us going backwards and, and kind of, I guess, comparing it to some of the other stuff, which is Stone Cold Classic, <laughs> it maybe doesn't hold up as well. Yeah, but I do, like, I haven't listened to this record for, I bet you 10 years it's been since I listened to it, until I've listened to it probably like five or six times this week. Yeah. And, and what struck me about it, again, is... Let's let's just set aside the vocals. The vocals are a little out there, but Kurt's guitar playing is already yeah. is already shining through on this record, right? Yeah, he's an insane guitar player, and uh, you know he's up there with the best of the best in 
in SST in the SST catalog. Like he's up there with Greg Ginn and Jay Maskus and in my opinion. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. But different. But, yeah. But but like just as good in a very, very different way. This album really is like an anomaly in their catalogue. In the sense that I'm pretty sure Derek Bostrom wrote all the lyrics, their drummer. And uh that's not something that continued. No. Yeah, because people really got into the lyrics as well too, Kurt's lyrics especially. I have two copies of the lyrics. Like I have two copies of the album. I've got the Ryko Disc reissue and then I've got the original SST pressing. Both have the lyrics in it in it. Apparently later pressings of the uh of the album didn't have lyrics, but I'm I mean you you wouldn't be able to decipher them from listening to the album, but some of them are really good. Yeah, I only have the uh the Ryko reissue with like twenty extra songs on it. Yeah. So what about the artwork on this one? Well, again, it's really hard to tell on the Ryko Disc CD, and I don't have the vinyl of it, but I if you, just said you uh, have the vinyl. The Ryko Disc one, I mean. Oh, I see. You have the SST but I ha- vinyl. Yeah, I have the SST one, and it's it's pretty obvious when you see it at the size of a of an LP that it's collage art. Oh, yeah, you can tell on the CD too. Yeah, it says uh, cover art by. Kurt Kirkwood and Damon Bostrom. That's what it says on the. That's what it says on the LP. Related to Derek, maybe. Maybe it is Derek, under a pseudonym. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, on the Ryko Disc CD, it's got different credits. I noticed, but I mean, there's there's new artwork too on the CD, so it's it's hard to tell what they're referencing specifically. And uh, the CD's got some decent liner notes. Some of the later Ryko Disc ones are a bit better. Greg Turkington does liner notes. Do you know who that is? I don't. Who is it? That's Neil Hamburger. <laughs> Who's that? You don't know who Neil Hamburger is? I don't. Oh, dude. Go on YouTube. You never saw him at, like, Sled, I- Sled Island or anything like that? He's, like, the world's worst stand-up comedian. Like, that's his, his shtick, is he's, like, a terrible stand-up comedian. He was in a bunch of garage ba- bands in the 90s, I think. So, we said that this was... Uh, was this recorded in 81 or just put out in 81? I know exactly when it was recorded, because it says in the CD, recorded at Unicorn by Spot, November 24th, 1981. So this would have been recorded when Black Flag, uh, around probably the same time as Damaged, I'm guessing, because they're they're living at that Unicorn studio at that time, and recording in it. And uh, here's an interesting thing about the LP. Above the SST logo on the back, it says, A Thermidor Production for SST records and the uh it's it's labeled in brackets T7 slash SST009 so there's a relationship with Joel Carducci there for sure well he talks about it in that book Too High to Die book he's he's he basically says he brought the meat puppets in with him when he came to SST yeah like his uh his move to SST kind of uh coincided with him basically seeing the meat puppets and offering to sign them to, to Thermidor, and, and he essentially brought them with him. It basically coincided with, shortly after that, uh, Black Flag playing with the, with the Meat Puppets. Yeah, I think so. And then it was like another, what is becoming a very common Greg Ginn move, to just uh, pick up any, any interesting band he sees for the label and put out their release. Yeah, well, if you look at the covers they're playing and stuff, it's no surprise, like... There's bonus tracks on the CD of like the Grateful Dead, yeah, and Neil Young, Iggy Pop, so a lot of the same influences 
And, uh, I mean, Kurt's guitar playing on this, it sounds like Greg Ginn's guitar playing a little bit. The record sounds good, too, for what it is. Like, for the style, style of music, it's a good-sounding record. I mean, I think it is. You, I've, I've read opinions that are contrary to that. Oh, I think it's I think it sounds good sonically, right? Does it is it any different uh, listening to the vinyl versus the CD? Because I've only really listened to the CD lately. I wouldn't say so. I mean, it just sounds like I mean it always it's always going to sound a little bit raw on vinyl, maybe. I mean the C, the CD is a remaster, so. Is there anything on the? Uh, if you do, you have the vinyl handy there. Yep. Anything uh, on the runout grooves or anything? That's a good question. Let's have a look. Let me turn my lamp on here. You'd think there would be because uh, that seemed to be a trend at that time. Yeah. Can your old eyes read? Yep. Okay. Yep. What does it say? Side one. Beware of Clevo. C-L-E-V-O. And the B side says, The looking glass was on strike, but I saw through it all. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. It's it's uh it's mastered at forty five RPM too. It's really short. Yeah, yeah. It's when it when you listen to the CD though, you're, you're all of a sudden you're just like, wow, I'm on song twenty three, and then you're like, whoa, the actual album ended eight songs ago. <laughs> Would you like to hear some lyrics? Only if you were going to speak them. Yeah, I am. Okay, here's the here's the lyrics to Saturday morning. Come on, everybody. You know what I mean. Won't spell it out for you, it's so plain. We're going to play some numbers, this you'd better believe. Yes, we surely are, and we're going to achieve. Don't start talking about banging the walls. It isn't going to happen, these are well-guarded halls. Don't start talking about how things going to change. You know we don't believe you, we think you're deranged. Just give us your money and tell us we're swell. We'll play some tunes for you and then go to hell. <laughs> The, the lyrics are pretty good on some of these songs. Poignant, poignant. Yes, it's yeah. funny. I mean, those types, those types of uh, lyrics of, you know, don't listen to anyone. We're gonna do whatever we want. Listen to our songs. Give us some money. There's a few bands back there, back back in the day around that time that wrote songs with those types of lyrics. Check this one out. This is Blue Green God. Find us at night by our glowing embers. This band's curse inflicts all its members. Gotta get stoned once in a while. We get stoned like it's going out of style. Just think of all the things we'd have if we saved our money. But all our money's gone up in smoke. I cough blood, we all choke. <laughs> <laughs> we should oh, t probably talk about... Uh, we should probably talk about their drug use. Yeah, it was pretty rampant. And I mean, when you, you mentioned... Uh how Chris was out of the band for a while and spent some time in prison. I mean, that was driven in large part, if not entirely because of drugs and being caught. And he, uh, like so many other stories um, about like heroin and stuff like that, almost died, but miraculously he didn't. He came back and uh, he yeah. was able to rejoin the band. It's a miracle. He had a... A very short-lived but totally killer podcast called the Chris Kirkwood podcast really where he yeah he interviewed uh, mostly people from the scene oh you know what you mentioned that to me I remember you yeah. telling me about that yeah yeah he's a really smart guy 
and uh, there was maybe like 10 to 20 episodes of it, and then he just stopped doing it, but it's it's still available, and uh, it's de- it's worth checking out. Yeah, so the one uh, place recently that I saw kind of an interview with Chris and Kurt was in that, uh, you know that Amoeba Records store? They have a, a vlog called What's in My Bag? What's in My Bag? Yeah. Yeah, there's, great. there's a great one with meat puppets, and you can tell, like, it's interesting. You could tell that they don't really have a lot of music, but that they really, they really think deeply about music. And you can tell, like, yeah. um, it's really important to them and that they're really bright guys. Just one more thing on the drugs tip. They uh, they claim to have recorded this in three days flat, uh, higher than a Georgia pine on LSD the entire time, which is probably true. I have no reason to doubt it. <laughs> it would explain uh, some of the music contained on the album. It's pretty crazy. Like I like a lot of avant-garde music. I mean, but this is, it's pretty out there. And to, you know, to think they were playing with hardcore bands at this time is, uh... Some of it, some it must have been... Some of it does sound like, uh, hardcore from back then before it became, like, you know, hardcore the uniform. You know, this is... Yeah. You could see this fitting in with really, really early stuff. Well, some of it's pretty fast. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you have anything else to say about the album? Uh, no, other than I mean, I I, uh, I appreciate what it represents. Uh, the start of a very important band that released some much more, I guess, accessible and lasting records for me. Um, not as many yeah. as not as many as for you, I know. And so I'm interested to get into. Uh, some more recommendations from you on Meat Puppets, but um, it's good to get into... I think this is our second full length after Damaged. Am I right on that? Uh, well... I think so. And, I, and, I mean, again, it's about as much of a full length as uh, The Punchline or Pagan Icons. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But I mean, it's... I mean, I really like the singles, and uh, but it's nice to break it up with uh, an album. Yeah, we're get we're gonna start getting into some really good stuff right away here. Yeah, but I mean, I know some some stuff on the SSD catalog, like way better than this first Meat Puppets record. So it was a real good excuse to come back and just revisit what it is because I kind of wrote it off. I'm not sure that I'm gonna go back and it's gonna be a frequent listener, but it was good. It's, it it isn't for me. Yeah, it's it's good to go yeah. back though and just kind of remember where they started from. And look look yeah. forward to the next one. So how about the ballot result? Ballot result. You got one? No, this one is all you. You're Mr. Meat I like, You're Mr. Meat Puppet. I like Blue Green God and I like the track Meat Puppets, which they named the band after, by the way. The the song came first. They were called something else. And then uh, they named it after that song. The first song by the Meat Puppets on the ballot result? Meat Puppets would be a good one. I'm cool with that. Meat Puppets, Meat Puppets. You want to hear the uh, the lyrics for Meat Puppets, Meat Puppets? That would, this is what it says. Yeah, let's hear it. Meat Puppets, etc., etc. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing next week, Ryan? Is it The Stains next week? The Stains, SST10. That's one I don't know super well. 
So I'm looking forward to getting into it. Yeah, it is. It's one of the ones that, like Henry Rollins in his books, he he always pumps the stains and always complains about how it's never been re-released. Yeah, it's really it's really hard to find an actual copy of it, and uh, I don't even. I'm sure he has one. Oh yeah, he'll have a whole bunch of them, right? Yep. But um, yeah, the stains. Looking forward to it. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you.